You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 56. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hey, 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 how are you today? My name is Scott Wellens and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. Welcome to episode number 56. Here I'm sitting on a Friday morning and I just clicked on my weather app and I saw that living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is starting to turn. We've been having a pretty warm fall, but I see overnight the temperatures for the first time in a long time are getting in the 30s. I know I asked for it by moving here a year and some months ago, but I'm just not ready for it. And often I look at the weather where I was living almost a year and a half ago now, which is the northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, and things are looking a whole lot nicer than they are here. So I have that going on, but the other thing that's going on that nobody can get away from, even if they want to, is the presidential election that's coming up and debates are in high season right now. We hear so many different things in the news. It's tough to discern what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe. But things we do hear from politicians are the economy is in ruin. We are on the brink of disaster. So we hear that stuff and we think, man, how is that going to affect my retirement or my portfolio? Some of us think, what if a Republican gets elected? If that happens, we're going to be doomed. And yet others think, what if a Democrat gets elected? If if a Democrat gets elected, we are certainly doomed. And what what about the stock market? What will happen to the stock market if Trump gets elected? And what will happen if Clinton gets elected? Some of us are thinking, well, if Trump gets elected, I'm selling everything. Or vice versa. Some of us are guessing whether or not who's going to win and they're they're making predictions and changing their portfolio as such and still others are saying well I'm going to wait until I find out who's elected in the next morning then I'm going to make a move in my portfolio did you ever take a look at how the stock market does after a republican or a democrat takes office Do you know the returns that Barack Obama have had since he started? Do you know how the returns were when Bush was president? Or for that matter, any Democrat or any Republican? Does the stock market do better when a Republican is president? Or does the stock market do better when a Democrat is in office? And 
I have the answers to a lot of these questions, and it's exactly what we're going to talk about next week as we draw closer and closer to the election. But I want you all to be equipped as we ride through this presidential season so we can all make decisions that are in our best interest about our investments, about our family, about our retirement. But for now, let's get to the topic of the day. Quarterly market review, quarter three, that is, 2016. Every quarter moving forward, I want to address what's been happening in the market. So let's go over the numbers. Let's see what the market summary looks like. Let's look at the different asset classes in the U.S., the international market, the emerging markets. Let's look at the different countries and, and who performed better and worse. And let's, let's scale all this with the expected returns, the small cap premium and the value premium and see if it existed in this quarter. And as I'll always tell you, this is a very small sample when we look at the value premium, the small premium, the profitability premium. We have confidence that these premiums show up, but we don't know when they will. So in a quarter or a given year. That's a very short time period for us who are long-term investors. If you're a short-term investor, you don't belong in the stock market to begin with. So we'll take a look at real estate as well and, and commodities and fixed income. And we'll see how global diversification has has worked or, or hasn't worked for this quarter and, and from years previously. And when we look at this, we're just looking at the commercial indexes. Companies like S&P and Russell, they develop indexes such as the Russell 2000, which is a representation of the smallest 2000 companies in the US. So these numbers that I'm about to give you, they are the commercial indexes. They are not specific investments. But if you hold indexed funds, these index funds are attempting to replicate these indexes, or at least most of them are. What I will do is at the end of this discussion, I will give a couple of numbers, year-to-date numbers from dimensional funds, the funds that I recommend to all of my clients. And we'll just see how we're doing year to date and how some of these premiums are showing up. So as a summary, the U.S. stock market in the third quarter, the overall market up 4.4%. Great quarter for the U.S. I mean, the quarterly average since January of 2001 in the U.S. stock market, 1.8%, well over double. What about international developed markets? International developed up 6.29% in the third quarter. Wow, huge gains for the international developed market where they averaged 1.4% since January 2001. The overall emerging markets, well, they wiped them both out of the water. Emerging markets in the third quarter, the overall market, the index, up over 9%, 9.03. Quarterly average for emerging markets since January 2001, 3%.
what we're seeing is a very good return overall in the U.S. international developed and emerging markets. What about real estate? Real estate's been the darling the first and second quarter of the year. If you own real estate, you're, you're looking at mass gains. Well, in the third quarter, those gains were not present. The global real estate actually lost 0.23%, so basically held about steady. In the bond market, we aren't expecting to do very well because, number one, when the stock market is, bonds generally are not. The U.S. bond market up a half a percent and global bonds up only 0.1%. So what has been going on this quarter that may have affected prices? And, you know, these headlines, they're not offered. I'm going to give you some headlines that we've read over the quarter. They are not offered to explain market returns. Instead, they serve as a reminder to us that investors, us, me and you, should view daily events from a long-term perspective and avoid making investment decisions like getting in the market or getting out of the market solely based on news. At the beginning of the quarter, We read the headline that the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield closed at record lows. We read that the U.S. job growth rebound calms fears of, of an economic swoon. The Eurozone economy slowed in the second quarter. Japan's economy nearly stalls in the second quarter. And then later on in August, we read that U.S. home sales rose to the highest level since 2007. And right at the end of the quarter, we read that the U.S. second quarter GDP revised up to a 1.4% gain. Still not where we want to see it, but it was a revision upward. Those were news headlines that we read over the quarter as the stock market went up and down, but overall up for the quarter. So what about looking at just the U.S.? How did the different asset classes Perform And the U.S. stock market represents 52% of the total world market representation. And that 52% is $22.6 trillion of market capitalization. Well, when we try and look at the different levels of expected return, the dimensions of expected return, We see that small beat large, but at the same time, value actually underperformed growth. So part of that premium, we see the U.S. small cap return 9%, 9.04, where the large cap funds only 3.85. Huge difference. Now, when we look at value, small cap value did great, 8.87. Large cap value, 3.48. So compare that to large cap growth, 4.58, about a percent difference. A huge premium in the small cap arena and a little bit of a negative premium in the value. But again, this is a short period of time, but it's still, it's fun to look at the numbers. Internationally, international developed, those markets represent 37% of the world market capitalization or $15.8 trillion. And in the international markets, we see the premium both in small cap and in value. Small cap up nearly 8%, huge premium versus large cap 
6.29%. In value, up 7.69% versus growth, 4.97%. We see the premiums existing in both small and value in the third quarter in the international developed markets. What about emerging markets, the the 9% overall market gain? Well, this is interesting because both the size premium and the value premium didn't exist, but we still saw a 9% gain in the overall market. Growth was actually up 9.88 compared to 8.16 on the value. And large cap beat small by about a percent and a half. And incidentally, the emerging markets make up 11% of the total world market capitalization or $4.7 trillion. So what we're seeing, I mean, first of all, great quarter to be in the market especially in emerging, then developed overseas, and then the U.S. But even the U.S. looked nice, just not compared to a whole lot of other countries. Because when I look at country performance now in the third quarter, the U.S. is towards the bottom. There's only one company, or sorry, one country that actually lost money in the developed markets. That's Denmark, negative 4.12%. And when I look up the ladder of the 23 largest developed companies, the U.S. ranked 18 at that 4.27%. They were towards the bottom. Who was number one? Austria, 16% in the third quarter. Hong Kong, up 11.47%. Germany, up 10%. Spain, up 9.61%. Finland, up over 9%. The Netherlands, New Zealand, all up over 9%. Japan, Sweden, Australia, all up over 8%. And then down a few more is when we start to see the U.S. up 4%. What about emerging markets? We know that overall, emerging markets up over 9%. Who were the big winners? Egypt was the biggest winner, up almost 16%. China, up 13.5%. Taiwan, up 11.5%. Brazil, up 11.5%. But there were losing countries as well in emerging. Philippines, down almost 5%. Turkey, down 4.66%. Mexico, down over 2%. So there's just a huge, wide range of return in the the emerging markets. But if you're properly diversified, you're seeing that 9% return. So what's the third quarter telling me? The third quarter is telling me that the U.S., has been the darling country two out of the last three years or so where U.S. returns have been awesome. But that doesn't mean that that's going to stay the course. We never know which country is going to do better year in and year out. We can't predict it. There's no reliable way to predict it at all. But if we are properly diversified and not owning 100 companies or 1,000 companies, but I'm talking 10,000 plus companies and you're represented in every country, according to the market capitalization, and we're tilted in these levels of expected returns. Now, we're ready every single time 
for these premiums to come in. And we are lowering the risk in our portfolio by being as diversified as we are. That's what this quarter is showing me, that the U.S. is not always going to be the darling, although it had a nice quarter. Developed markets, emerging markets, they just kicked butt compared to the U.S. So what about real estate? I mentioned that real quick. Real estate is down from a global perspective, but global real estates actually were up 2.27%. It was the U.S. that was bringing it down because the U.S. reached down 1.24%. So from looking at all REITs globally, including the U.S., that's where we lost just a little bit because REITs in the U.S. represent 59% of the market cap, overseas 41% of the market cap. And if we look quickly at commodities, what were the big winners? Zinc up over 12%, nickel up over 11%, and sugar up almost 10%. Losers, lean hogs down 30%. What if you had all your money in lean hogs? Would not have been a good quarter for you. I'm not thinking a lot of people listening have had a lot of money in lean hogs. There were a lot of commodities that were down. Gold was down about a percent. And oil was down a bit as well. All right, but maybe you're not interested that much in the third quarter. Maybe you're you're interested in how are we doing year-to-date in some of these asset classes. And I have in front of me some of the dimensional funds asset classes, and I'm just going to review real quick and see how these premiums are doing when we look at the year-to-date perspective, which again is not a long-term perspective, but it's certainly longer than the first quarter. And the numbers I'm giving you is actually into the fourth quarter a little bit. These are numbers as of October 6th, 2016. So the huge winner so far is the emerging markets value asset class, up 23% as of October 6th, 2016. 23%, what a year emerging markets have been having. Now, I mentioned emerging value because when you look at a lot of the other mutual fund companies, you won't be able to get this type of premium because in emerging markets value fund does not exist. In emerging markets small cap fund does not exist. Mostly when people have have emerging markets as part of their portfolio, all they have is the large companies. In the emerging markets portfolio, large cap is up 19%, 19.34 year to date, which is still way under the 23% emerging markets value. What's the next asset class that I see doing really well? Well, it's it's value in the United States up 12.62% so far this year. And the small cap value up 12, 12.5% this year. And after that, we still see premium existing because the small cap portfolio up 11%. Micro caps just under that, 10.8%. Large cap value, more premium, 9.77%. How do all these compare to the overall market, the S&P, with dividends? The overall market through October 6th is up 7.5%. That's not bad. 
but it's nothing compared to some of these premiums that we're seeing show up in the marketplace. And it's nothing compared to diversifying into emerging. Now, international's a little bit different story because international markets are up, but not as much as emerging or the U.S. when we look year to date. And where what has happened to real estate? Well, real estate is still up. When I look at U.S. real estate up 6.5%, global real estate up 7%, but earlier this year, these asset classes were up almost 20%, I believe. They have taken a tumble, and especially so far this quarter, and we're, we're still young in the fourth quarter. That doesn't mean we sell our global real estate. It's another reason why when it was doing so well earlier this year, it doesn't mean that's the time to start dumping more money into global real estate. If we hold on to that asset class, we know that it averages about 10% per year. So overall, I'm seeing some pretty good things in the marketplace this year. That doesn't mean I can predict what's going to happen the rest of the year. All I know is when I contrast that against a lot of the things that I hear on the news, which is the economy's doing horrible, everything's doing horrible, our country's in a ruin, the world's in a ruin, I don't see that exist in the stock market. Let's not make decisions about our investments or our retirement based on what we hear in the news. Here's my question to you. Do you know how your investments are doing? Do you know if you're highly diversified? Do you know that you're represented well in the U.S. along with developed markets, along with emerging markets? Are you using low-cost funds that are going to give you more return in the long run? Are you taking advantage of the premiums in the marketplace, the small cap premium, the value premium? That just means, are your investments tilted in a way that is capturing this premium, all while, though, sticking with what your risk tolerance is, what your risk capacity is, what you want to get out of life, what your dreams are, what your goals are? Because... Once we can dial into your risk level, now we can dip into some of these asset classes that in the long run, hopefully, will give you a higher expected return. I know for some of you guys, this stuff is confusing. But for others, I know that we needed to go through this third quarter review. If you have questions about any of this stuff, please email me, Scott at bestinwealth.com or go to bestinwealth.com and click on the 10 steps to a better investing experience where you can begin to learn what it's like to really be an investor and not a speculator because there's a big difference and we as family stewards we choose investing not speculation hey you guys have a great week and i'll see you i'll see you next week on the flip side bye bye
The Best in Wealth podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.